Well, I want to share something with you tonight. So get your Bibles out. And go to the plan this week, Psalms 32. I want to leave you with a word to go chew on. I'm going to throw a steak out to you. You can go home and cook it. God wants to do such amazing things, and the only thing that limits him is us. Did y'all hear what I said? He wants to do such amazing things, and the only thing that limits us is us. You remember when Jesus went to his hometown of Nazareth? He said he couldn't do anything there. He couldn't do any mighty works there, but just heal a few sick folks. I think that's kind of funny. He just could heal a few sick folks. Nowadays, we'd take just a few sick folks, right? But uh, um, he said they couldn't do anything because nobody in there was believing him. They're just looking at him and saying, oh, it's just the hometown boy. So um, anyway, I want to share something with you tonight along those lines to encourage you about how big your God is. So in Psalms 32, I pray you all been reading the plan this week. Didn't just brush over it. It starts out and it says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now, the first thing I want to show you here is that word blessed. The word blessed in the Hebrew there, it doesn't just mean like abundance. Sometimes, you know, Hebrew's a real, got a word for everything. And so that word there, it doesn't mean just like abundance, like you're blessed, you've got more than you need. What it really, truly, the root of the word, if you were going to translate that in a better way for us, it would say, how happy is the man? That word blessed there literally means like, how happy is he? How, how blessed, how happy. This guy's, whatever's happened in life has made him so happy in life. So if you read it like that, it says, how happy is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity? How happy is that guy? Right? Folks, I'm with, I, I just want to just, I, I, I've been, I don't know, going on a journey with the Lord and, and I keep looking and I keep reading and keep seeing these things. And I, I keep thinking about like the early church. It's like I was telling my wife this morning, when I read the Bible, I just don't read the Bible. I, 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 I get off and, and, and get to thinking about all these things like, the story of Jesus when the little boy came up with this, you know, we always say he had his lunch. And, uh, you know, and then Jesus blessed it and fed the, the multitude, right? And then 12 baskets were left over. And I was ask, asking her some more, what happened to the little boy? You know, what happened to his life after that? He took his lunch up, and then I got to looking at that. He said he had five barley loaves, and so I don't know how big a barley loaf is, but this kid must have had more than his lunch or he was really hungry. But he's got five barley loaves and two fishes. And so I, then I got into my, I just like, I was out. I was just dreaming. I was just out there just thinking, what if this little kid, you know, I don't, this is not, I can prove none of this, right? This is just Robert Richards' thoughts. Don't take this and say this is old pastor, you know, whatever. But I just got to thinking about it. I said, what if this little kid was out like, what if he was out fishing and caught him two fish? And he's just going home. He's got two fish. And then he runs into Jesus, you know? He did, the, the, the parents that say they were poor, let's say the barley loaves are small. I don't know. She says, if you're going to be out all day, maybe you need to take five. I don't know. I don't know any of this. I'm just dreaming. My mind's just going out and just dreaming. So here comes a little boy. He comes up in this meeting, and everybody's out there, and he's just sitting there listening to Jesus. And so, you know, they're all going along, and then somebody says, have you got anything to eat? And he's just, you know, like kids do. 
You ever notice kids, they have no inhibition, right? And so just because Jesus is there preaching didn't mean that he didn't just belly up and they're right in amongst the apostles. What's this kid doing to get that kid, you know? Whatever, and he's just up there, this little two fish he caught. Maybe he got his pole over his shoulder, I don't know. Two fish and little bread. And so then Jesus said, you know, what are y'all going to do? And so the little boy, he's got an answer. I got two fish, I caught two fish. And so I got to thinking, well, what happened to him after that, after he saw the miracle? Because I'm saying, I don't, again, I can't prove any of this. I'm just saying, I bet he went home with the proceeds. Yeah. What if, it, what if their family was poor? What if they were like, what if the little boy had been on the fishing trying to catch some fish to feed his parents? What if they were ailing or whatever? And I mean, no, come on, folks. I'm just, give, give me this. And I'm just out there dreaming. This is my mind's going wild. And I'm thinking, what if, this is, sounds like my Jesus, right? He just went down to catch a few fish. And the next thing he knows, he's coming home. He's got all these disciples going or coming behind him. And he comes home to mama and he's got 12 basketfuls. And they're like, what did you do? So then I just start dreaming also, what if this changed the little boy's life? And what if, he, what if he became a big blesser? What if he became abundantly rich? What if he became a wealthy man? What if he took the principle of what he saw Jesus in multiplication there, applied it into his life, and then he just got out there, and he just got, got to giving and got to doing all this stuff? And what if we get to heaven, and somebody says, wow, who's that guy? I say, oh, that's the little boy. Gave them two fishes. I don't know. I don't know if any of it worked like that. I'm just saying my mind was going and I was just thinking about how when you come in contact with Jesus and you come in contact with the miracles and his power and everything that's going on, it changes you. You can never, ever be the same. I know I've told you these stories before and and it doesn't do any good. You can believe me or not. I was there. I saw it. I lived it. I was at at the place. I never forget in that in that. Gypsy Village in Romania when I was there preaching. And, 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 you know, people started getting miraculously healed. Eyes started popping open. I'll never forget this little boy. They brought him to me. And, I, and, and, and they said he's never walked. He was like, I don't know, six. And I, I reached up and put my hand on his leg, and they were just mush. There was no muscle tissue, no muscle, you know, formed there. There was nothing hard there. It was just mushy. I mean, there's a bone, but I just felt his muscles were just mush. And, and so I remember thinking, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Lord, what can I do with this? I've never seen anything like this happen. And, and I, remember, I remember the guy that I was with said, let's just put him down and see if he can run. And I'm like, what? He can't even stand. He's never walked before in his life. And they just set that kid on the ground, and he just took off running. And there's nothing you can say about it. It just happened. I'm telling you, folks, there was no sparklers. There was no, there was no comets flying through the sky. There was nothing. It was just like we're standing here today in the same environment, the same atmosphere, and there was just miracles taking place left and right. There was no anointing. We weren't sitting around with goosebumps. All over. I was freaked out because I never seen anything like this in my life. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And I keep thinking, man, what am I doing? Oh, my gosh, I don't want to say the wrong thing. And, and people just kept coming up, and they were pushy, and they were... They were shoving, and I was getting irritated with them, and I was thinking, you know, this needs to be more dignified. Somebody that needs to be a band somewhere playing, singing hallelujah to Jesus or something. And I was trying to get all this organized in my head, what needed to take place, and people are just getting healed left, right, left, right, left, right. And I was like, well, they're not really, this isn't the way it's supposed to take, I mean, it's not supposed to look like this, because you know, I'd never seen anything but a tent revival or something like that. So I thought everything had to be that way. But Jesus had another plan. I remember getting mad at the Bulgarian pastor there, the Romanian pastor, getting mad at him because I was like, what's this matter with you? Don't you see? Look, what's going on? What are you doing? Why are you talking about all this? You know, get over here and do something. I mean, man, start a church, start building a church, do something. I mean, my God. 
And the whole time Jesus is doing miracles and healing everybody because he had his own agenda, what he's doing, and I was, I was just freaking out. My point is, when you can come in contact with Jesus and, you, and he touches you, you, you're never the same. You can't, there's nothing, there's no way that you can deny it. And what people need to see nowadays is they need to be like this, this person. So back, let me back up a little bit. And so I got to look and, you know, in the early days, the only message that was preached was believe in Jesus and your sins will be forgiven. That was the only message preached. There wasn't the nine doctrines of faith and the 12 steps to this and the 14 principles of that. And, and uh, there was none of that stuff. It was all just preaching to tell the people that Jesus was the son of God and that his sins, he paid for all of their sins by his blood on the cross. And that if they believed in him, their sins could be forgiven. That was the only message ever preached. When you read about Acts in the early church, it's one around telling everybody, you don't have to follow the old law. You don't have to make sacrifices. You don't have to do this. It's not the blood of bulls and goats that's going to save you. It's the blood of Jesus that was on the cross. He's the son of God. And, and that was it. And I think it's time we get back to that message. I think it's a time that all of us in our daily walk in life, we do not have to explain the rapture. Hello? You're not going to do it anyway. You know, if you get into end time eschatology, you're going to get all messed up. And it's just like the blind man said, look, I don't know, folks. You know, I, y'all can say whatever you want to. All I know is I was blind and now I see. And people can't argue because what a true Christian is supposed to be doing is telling people that Jesus is their answer. And why is he their answer? Because he is the son of God that died for their sins, right? To get rid of this sin issue. Psalms 32, to get rid of the sin issue. So that the man could be happy. Because it's like all of us were on death row. And then all of a sudden, we're all were pardoned. And it says in that second verse, Blessed, oh how happy, is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. And it means, that word impute means charge his account with. Laura told me a story, I didn't read it, but she saw, read a story about this guy who was an atheist all his life. Uh, it's a true story. He was an atheist all his life, and on his deathbed, he had an epiphany and turned to Jesus. And he was in the hospital, and he was dying, and he wanted to be baptized. And they baptized him in the hospital fountain. Pool. Pool? You said pool. I thought fountain. I took him out there with all the birds, shoot him out of the way, and put him in there. That would have been cool. Pool's way too dignified. But anyway, so they baptized him in the pool before he, before he died, and he died. And, I, and it's immediately when she tells me that, it reminds me of the story of Jesus going out and getting labors, right? The parable he told about the labors, hired the one, you know, they worked all 12 hours, you know. And then when he got ready to pay, he paid everybody the same. They were like, hey, wait a minute. He said, what's wrong? I didn't do nothing wrong. I agree. Didn't y'all agree to work for this much of the day? Yeah, but you gave those guys that much. That dude, when he stepped into heaven, got everything. At that moment, because his sins were forgiven, there was nothing charged to his account, and he walked into heaven. And man could say, that's not fair. But thank God. I just praise God that we have a God who doesn't play by human rules. Amen. And we say, well, that's just not right. It's just not. <sighs> yeah, it goes back to like I was talking about, you know, we, like we like to categorize and put numbers to our, the degrees of sin, you know. Well, I just did a number two today, so, but at least I didn't do a number six, you know. And so we like to do that. Well, it doesn't, count, it doesn't work like that in the kingdom of heaven. So, how, oh, how happy is the man? who didn't get anything charged to his account. Folks, we have something to rejoice about. 
no matter what's going on in life, no matter what's taking place, no matter what craziness is going on in the world. You know, if you look at every country now, you look at Canada, you look at, I said every country, but you look at Canada, you look at the United States, and you look at Britain, all those countries are divided. They're as divided as we are right here in the United States about, about Democrats and Republicans or whatever, liberals and conservatives. I mean, they're just as divided. All the countries are divided. There's not much peace and rest anywhere. Right? But you're not going to find peace and rest in this world. But oh, how happy is he who didn't have anything charged to his account because he's right with God. That's the message we need to be preaching to people. Do you want to find true happiness in life? Are you right with God? Well, I don't know. How do you want to get right with God? Well, Jesus is the answer. So the simple truth, the simple gospel truth that people need to hear again. We don't, have to, we don't have to prove God. We don't have to try to explain everything. We just need to preach the gospel. Now go over to Isaiah chapter 40. If you're ever having a bad day, you need to feast in Isaiah 40 and 41. 42 is great. 43 ain't no slouch. But look at 40, 40 verse 12. Isaiah 40 verse 12. He's talking about God here. And he says, this is, who our, this is how big our God is. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. He's talking about the waters of the world. He's measured them in the hollow of his hand. He's trying to get, Isaiah's prophesying here, but he's speaking prophetically in this, in this instance, trying to say, this is how big God is. He's taking all the waters of the world. And he's got it in the palm of his hand. He measures the heaven with a span. So in other words, he just goes like that. And that's how he measures the heavens. Right? Do we have a clear sky tonight? I don't even know. If you guess, when you go outside, just take a look up before you go into the house and just think about, look at the Milky Way and all the stars and all that stuff and think, he measures it like that and he knows all their names. He calculates the dust of the earth in a measure. He weighs the mountains and the scales and the hills in his balance. That's how big our God is. Right? That's the God who didn't charge anything to your account. And that when you believed in Jesus, instantly you got happy because your sin, the sin issue was taken cut place. It was, it was dealt with. It's no longer there. It's no longer in place. Look at verse 21. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. This is our God. This is your Father, your heavenly Father. Look at verse 28. Have you not known? He says it again. Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint, be weary, and the young men shall utterly fail. But those who wait on the Lord, he shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Oh, teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord, to wait. Now, 
I've heard a lot of messages about those that wait on the Lord. But I've always thought of it this way. Not wait on the like God to do something, but wait on the Lord like a waiter. That's the way I've always seen it. Those that wait on the Lord, those that are there waiting on the Lord, serving Him, doing His bidding, getting what He needs, taking care of His business, those people that are waiting, that are waiters. Everybody say, I want to be a waiter or a waitress. You can be a waitress. Now, jump over to 41. Nine, you whom have taken the ends of the earth and called it from its farthest regions and said to you, you are my servants. I have chosen you and have not cast you away. See, that's why I'm thinking when I'm saying that you're a servant, a waiter on the Lord. He's not going to cast you away. Verse 10 says, fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. You see, the servant that waits on the Lord, and he's this big God, the servant that waits on the Lord whose sins are not imputed to him, right? He's not has anything laid to his charge in his charge account. It's all been forgiven. He's blessed. Oh, how happy he is to serve the Lord. Now, does that not make sense that you would be happy to serve the one who forgave your account? You're on, you're on death row. The noose is out there. The gallows are being built. And then your account's been cleared. You wouldn't say, oh, well, appreciate it. Thank you much. I'll catch you later. And all of us were on death row. Then he goes on to say, behold, all those who were incensed against you, in verse 11, shall be ashamed and disgraced. Those shall be as nothing. Those who strive with you shall perish. You shall seek them and not find him. Those who contend with you and those who war against you shall be as nothing, as a non-existent thing. For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying, "Eh, Fear not, I'm with you. Fear not, I'll help you. I'm going to hold your hand and say, Fear not. I got it covered. God? The same guy that has measured the span with his hand? That weighed all the water in the oceans in his Palm in the, in, in the hollow of his hand, in the palm of his hand, that guy's holding your hand? And the devil's got you spooked? The enemy's got you spooked? The world's got you spooked? Some Yahoo, some Yazoo, some Johan's got you, said something to you, and he's, he's got you spooked? What? Can't be. It can't be. It just can't be, church. It's all in our approach. The first thing that always has to be is we have to get happy in knowing that our sin's forgiven. And then all the rest begins to line up because daddy's taking care of you. And you're not here alone. You're not on earth alone. He didn't leave you. Jesus didn't leave and say, "Ah, you know, y'all try to make it till I get back. He said, no, I'll send the Holy Ghost to you to help you. Be right there with you, teaching, help you, and instruct you, and everything until I get back. And then when I get back, boy, it's going to be a different, different story, right? So I just want to encourage you tonight. Don't forget the simple gospel message. When you're running across your friends, your acquaintances, people that are around you, whatever, see people discourage you, man, this is where they need to go. Psalms 32.1, deal with the sin issue, get right with God, and then let 
God take care of it. Show him how big daddy is. Go on to the next one. Amen? Amen. So look at the person beside you and say, I like that. Oh, how happy is he. Praise God. Well, I've been trying to get hold of uh, Bethany all day, talk to them about some things going on in Guatemala. She just texted me right here while I was preaching. So I just texted her back and said, I'm preaching. She said, well, tell everybody hello. So, hello. <laughs> ah, goodness. Praise God. Well, get your offerings. Put your hand on them. Just pray over them. Father, I just declare right now, these are the wealthiest people on the face of the earth. I declare they are blessed in everything that they do. I declare everything they put their hands to prosperous. I declare, Lord God, that their businesses are successes. I declare that their in streams of income just multiply. And Lord, just comes flooding in from the north, the south, the east, and the west. I declare, Lord God, that we are the biggest giving church that there ever has seen. We're going to bless. We're going to do. We're going to do more than has ever even been could be imagined. And Lord, I praise you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you, and if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you, and remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.